Welcome to the Success IQ podcast, the show for entrepreneurs who want to create and live an exceptional life. I'm your host, Jeff Nicholson, and this is episode 80. Good morning, good afternoon, good evening, wherever you are in the world. I truly hope you are having a fantastic week. So this week, we have got another fantastic guest, Jay Gibb. Now, Jay is the founder and CEO of a B2B SaaS company called CloudSponge and is a partner at a distributed software engineering consultant agency called Arizona Bay. He and his team have built hundreds of online businesses with entrepreneurs over the last 20 years. And he is an expert at helping non-technical and quasi-technical entrepreneurs build new software products and manage technology teams for their ventures. So just gives me this opportunity to say, Jay, welcome to the show. Hey, Jeff. So, Jay, can you give us the the background story of what's actually brought you to this point today? Sure. Yeah, I guess, um, you know, just kind of breezing through the first part because I think it's 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 kind of interesting. My Straight out of a technical college in Canada, my first job was as a, a firmware engineer uh, building operating systems and device drivers for smart card accepting devices. Uh, and that was a long time ago. So that was a, that was a very specific niche that I was in as a, as a software developer um, that, that brought me, basically got me a job opportunity uh, in Los Angeles. So that's how I was able to, to immigrate from Canada to Los Angeles, which is where I live now. Um, and so, you know, I did that for, for a year and a half or so, or two years, and then decided, uh, right, right, right at the end of the, uh, the, the dot-com bubble, um, heyday, I decided to get involved in the dot-com bubble. So that was, you know, right, right around, you know, 2000 or so I left that job and I went up to Silicon Valley and started working in, you know, in the, uh, in the stereotypical, um, you know the, the that industry where everything was crazy and there was a lot of money flowing, uh, but then within a year it went away. Um, and so, uh, I at that point I joined uh, the company that I'm with t- still today, and so that was 18 years ago. In uh, in the year 2000, I joined uh, Arizona Bay, which is uh, which is an agency that builds SaaS companies with funded entrepreneurs, most mostly. Um, you know, and, and at that point I was, you know, a software developer, a senior software developer, um, building a lot of, you know, web-based technologies. This is back, you know, in that time we were using things like cold fusion and different languages that aren't really very popular anymore. Um, and you know, along that journey, just to sort of fast forward through that, cause you know, that's a lot of software development and client work and so on. Uh, at some point in that journey around 2009, uh, we we did what a lot of agencies do, and we started using our talent to build our own internal startups. And one of those startups is CloudSponge. So I'm the the CEO and founder of of CloudSponge, um, which is a software as a service company that that helps its clients get access to their users' networks. And usually, it fits into referral programs or invitation flows or, uh, you know, CRM importing, find a friend places where, you know, our clients want to have access to their users address books usually, or maybe it's their LinkedIn connections or, you know, their network in general, uh, so that they can make an interface for their, their users to be able to, uh, you know, share with their contacts without having to leave the website to go look up email addresses and copy them, copy and paste them into form fields and things like that. Um, so that's, that's kind of, that's, that's what CloudSponge does now. And, uh, you know, I can, I can tell you all kinds of uh, fun stories about that, that whole journey if, if you want to hear them. Yeah, because I think, I think that's the real interesting thing is, is you've, you've obviously gone through this huge, big, long journey. And I think is one of the things is, is the listeners of this of this show some of them are just on that entrepreneurial start and others have had their businesses for quite a long time 
many of them may not have necessarily gone through something like the the sort of the big bubble stuff um but i but in some elements the that experience and that journey is the is the same in in some ways and i think is is the when people hear people's different stories and different experiences they they get the picture that it's you know everyone goes through their own challenges and everyone goes through these experiences and you setting up a software company and and um and and the the SaaS companies is it's it's got to be like really tough because that's got to be an extremely competitive market it can be yeah i think you know cloudsponge has chosen a pretty a pretty niche thing to build so it's not it's not like we're in like a, a vertical like CRM or marketing automation or help desk or one of these verticals that's got you know fifty or a hundred different companies doing it. Uh, we've got we've got a very specific feature. It's basically a feature as a service company in a lot of ways, as opposed to software as a service. More like it's probably closer to to a plugin than it is to like a SaaS tool, depending on how you want to look at it. Uh, so it can be competitive, but for the most part, we haven't had to, to worry too much about the competition. I mean, we're we're primarily competing with with developers who want to build this themselves, and they don't feel like it's necessary to buy it off the shelf. Um, so it's not like there's one big company with a logo that we compete with. So it's more of a it's more of a frame of mind that we compete with, if you know what I mean. Yeah, so so you basically so does that mean that you've you've transitioned from a service business to a product when you've transitioned from your from when you've done your business? Am I understanding that correctly? You are, um, with the exception that you know the service business still exists. I still yes. I still work there. Uh, there's it's still a, a business that's got you know a couple dozen engineers working on you know eight to ten projects at a time um so it's not technically a a transition i guess but it's more of a um it's it's very similar to like the 37 signals relationship to Basecamp, right where they were an agency and they still were an agency they then they made Basecamp and a whole bunch of other apps because that was what they're really good at so it's it's kind of similar to that and i think your your audience is probably familiar with that story so yeah. So what was what was the what was the real challenges for you when you were going through this when you were going through these um these steps and you starting up CloudSponge? What was the what was the thought process for you to start looking at developing CloudSponge? So, you know, it's an interesting sort of failure story there where, you know, what happened was we we had decided that we wanted we thought that there was an opportunity around 2009 2008 to create a b2c service for um, people to have a copy of the things that they were putting into the cloud nowadays nowadays this sounds ridiculous because everybody trusts the cloud um but 10 well maybe not everybody right but the vast majority of consumers um, you know, they they upload their photos to Facebook and they're not worried about those just going away one day. They don't think about that anymore. Uh, and so it's a it's sort of a well-covered area now. But, you know, at the time, almost 10 years ago, uh, it kind of felt like there was an opportunity for us to to capitalize on and, and provide value to people that they're really like they're they're transitioning from a world of of, you know, outlook for desktop or, you know, Mac operating system address books and email clients, they're transitioning to, to Gmail and Yahoo Mail, these things that were kind of cloud-based, right? Um, and nowadays, that's a little different. And so what we were doing basically was to build to build a tool that was going to be designed to, to help people feel like, you know, they still had a copy of their data, and the first thing that we did out of, you know, we had a, lar- a long, a big, long plan, but the first thing that we did was we went out and we started uh, consuming address books from everywhere they were on the, on the web to basically, you know, our first product out of a suite of products we were going to offer was, you know, this, this address book uh, backup service. Um, and so, you know, we went through the process of, you know, looking at open source packages and looking at other, you know, different ways to do it. And we just, realized that nothing was 
good enough for what we were trying to do. And so we built it ourselves. And what ended up happening was we blew most of our budget just solving that one problem. We blew most of the budget that we had set aside for the, the business just doing like a super high quality uh, address book importing tool. And, you know, the cool part was, you know, in that journey, as we were developing that software and, you know, we're spending some time with, you know, in developer forums and, and, uh, you know, places like Stack Overflow, we realized and we noticed that there was tons of other people that were challenged with the same thing and they're building the same thing we were building for their businesses. And so kind of when our runway ran out, we ran it, we realized that like the budget that we had set aside to, to build this thing. Um, wasn't going to be enough. We just said, look, like this is not going to work. It's way more expensive than we thought it was going to be to start this business, but we built this cool thing. So let's sell that. Let's just pivot this idea into being, um, you know, cloud sponge, the, the address book, um, importing service. And so we did, we, you know, we, we put a price tag on it and, and made a API for it and kind of made it for sale and the rest is history. I mean, now eight years later, we've got Airbnb and Yelp and GoFundMe and tons of other big companies using our our software and and thousands of little companies using it as well. So, so it's uh, it's been an interesting ride. But that's really interesting because there's there's an awful lot of people that wouldn't that uh, that keep on going with their original direction. Isn't it? So you you kind of like you you know you've 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 had the foresight to go okay we've got this and all right the money may not have necessarily been there but I you know I see it in a lot of businesses that I go in or a lot of entrepreneurs that I work with and they come up with a a concept that they want to work on whether it's a small program that they want to create um or, or something that they want to to do and they just keep on going and going and going and they don't stop. And they don't have that foresight to pivot and change direction like you did that allows them to sometimes create something from some, something that they've already got. So what, what, how, did, how did that process go about from that pivot? I mean, was, it, was there some, did, the, did that philosophy come in where it was like, you know, this is good enough to move or was it out of necessity because that's all you had based on the funding was running out how what was what was that w- way of thinking going uh you know i guess it's it it was a combination of things i suppose but you know i think most most entrepreneurs and most people um probably the, you know the people that you're referring to one of the things that they're probably doing all the time is seeking validation, right? They're, see, they're they're building something, and hopefully, they're spending their time and their money on this thing. Hopefully, they're constantly looking for people that want to pay for this thing that they're building, or people like some some kind of business model validation, right? And so we were doing that just like any entrepreneur would. Um, and then once we, the idea struck us, like, oh wow, this thing is actually really hard to build, and it looks like there's other people that are also building it. Then all of a sudden, like, we, you know, I just did some of the same types of validation exercises I was already doing for the original idea, except for this new idea. And I'm, I'm talking about like a couple phone calls, a couple email threads. Like, not, I'm not, not describing like a, a huge formal exercise or anything like that. Uh, it was really just like, hey, we're, we're thinking about making this thing available as, as a package that you can install. What do you think? And people are saying, hell yes, please do. How much? Right. And so, when you're used to that, you know, that feeling where like, okay, we have this great idea and we think it's cool, but we don't really feel like we've got like solid validation for it yet. We don't feel like we've got like a, a really strong signal through the noise, but we're going to keep doing it because we like it. And then, you, you know, you sort of change the conversation for just for a minute, not permanently, but just for as an experiment. And then all of a sudden you get a tidal wave of validation. I mean, why wouldn't you, right? I mean, I think anybody would look at that and go, okay, like, this is actually sounds like it's going to be a lot easier than what we're currently working on. And so it was, it was basically lots of little things like that where it was like, you know, just being not being too emotionally attached to like the original idea and just tugging on threads when they presented themselves to see if they'd unravel. You know, just it was just a little bit of that. And then finally things started to add up. 
And I'd like to say that I was clairvoyant and this was like a thing that I, because I'm so smart. It's just not true, right? It's just lots of little, lots of little like clues kind of put themselves yeah. together in a way where then we just got on the phone together. We said, hey, like, what do you guys think about this? Here's, here's what the situation looks like. And all the, all the stakeholders that were involved all got behind it. And, you know, we just decided to do it because it seemed like it was a clear idea. Everybody's going to have a different path. But I think in my case, it was really like, you know, just to try to answer your question, like it was not being too emotionally attached to the thing we we had already spent a bunch of money on, and then just always kind of being open to to new ideas and looking for opportunities to provide value, right? So that's kind of what ended up happening. And I suppose is it's that demonstration that even though you you failed to achieve the ultimate goal you created something that's been extremely successful by pivoting from that idea. And that, and that, and that can be extremely rewarding, which it obviously has for, for you. Yeah, we're enjoying it. I mean, it's, <laughs> it's been, it's been a lot of fun and, and, yeah. you know, a part of the byproduct we already touched on it a few minutes ago, but part of the byproduct here is that we created something truly unique. We created something that doesn't, it's, it's kind of in a category of its own in a way. Uh, and I think what we were originally working on would have had a ton of, it was kind of an obvious idea at the time, right? It would have probably had a lot of competition. And as, as time went on after our pivot, we kind of kept an eye on it. And we'd still sort of, in our, in our uh, well, it was before Slack, right? So back in our like hip chat channels, uh, <laughs> our campfire channels, we would share like, Hey, check out this company that's doing that thing that the original cloud copy was going to do. Right. Um, and so, you know, it would definitely would have been a more competitive space and we would have need to, needed to, you know, do fundraising and it would have been a totally different business. Whereas this one, we were able to, to grow it organically and, and, and sort of keep all the, keep all the equity. So. And what sort of, what future do you see with cloud sponge? Where would you like it to see it going? I think we, you know, we're going to just keep doing more of what we're doing and and sort of expand, um, expand in a co-centric way. I guess is the way I visualize it. Where you know, right now our product is a pretty specific, a specific thing uh, that has several use cases that it's useful for. Um, and as we talk to our customers, we get to learn like what is the what is the part of the puzzle that they have to bring in order to use our tool, right? And most of the time right now, that's some engineering help, that's some people coming coming in to, you know, to do some custom integration work and really figure out how this plugin fits into their business. And so the more conversations like that we have, the more plus ones we get in our like product strategy roadmap document where we can say, look, like we've got a huge number of customers that are all saying this one thing, let's build that thing now. Right. And we can kind of intelligently expand the product to make make the integration easier for our customers and, and hopefully acquire more customers as a result. Yeah. 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 Brilliant. Excellent. Okay. So we're gonna jump over to the second part of the show now, where I get an opportunity to put you on the hot seat. So are you ready? I guess, I guess I'm ready. <laughs> a little into it's a I little know. intimidating. I know, I know it sounds you, intimidating. I know you've had the mindset coach in all week preparing for this, but you know, <laughs> don't, don't don't worry, don't worry. Um, okay, so the first question is: How much time a week do you spend on self development? So that's working on yourself, your mind, your body, your spirit. How much time a week do you spend on that? Well, you know, I'm. I'm a father of three small children, so I've got a five-year-old, a three-year-old, and a one-year-old. And so, you know, pretty much everything before and after getting to my office is kind of like controlled chaos right now. <laughs> and so the, the self-development that I'm able to do at this phase in my life is uh, reading. I've always got, always got a business book that I'm working through. Um, and I read while I'm eating lunch or, you know, during, during the day, I'll, I'll spend about an hour or so reading. Um, and I listen to podcasts whenever I'm in the car, which is, you know, probably an hour and a half a day or so. So, you know, I guess, I guess that comes, adds up to about two and a half hours a day of, of self-development. 
uh, if you if you consider just the podcast and reading, which I think is the one way to look at it. Really, the other way to look at it is what I do day to day in my job. I I'm always choosing tasks that make me learn something, right? Like if it's something that is I've kind of already figured out a process for and it's been repetitive, then I'll usually delegate it. So I, I, I'm responsible for like the innovation in, in our, in our operations and in our company. And so it really like nine to five is really self-development is the way I look at it. And that's kind of part of why I like my job and enjoy professional life. But I think like the sort of the, the honest answer, the truest answer to what you're saying is, is probably, you know, some, somewhere in the neighborhood of 12, 12 hours a week. Yeah. Yeah, I know you. Um, with your, are you like sort of a tech guy? Are you a geeky guy as well? Do you like tech and all of that sort of car? Do you like drive a Tesla? Or do you, <laughs> are, are you are you a, 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 a petrol head? Uh, I drive a two thousand two Toyota Tacoma because I feel like it's never going to die, and it would yeah. be foolish to sell it. <laughs> uh, yeah, <laughs> you're a practical man. <laughs> You're a practical yeah, man. It's a, yeah, it's a perfectly good vehicle. It fits all my family and allows yeah. me to, you know, tow stuff every now and again. Yeah. So, yeah, no. When, when, when you yeah. have a young family, tech goes out the window and practicality comes into it. Yep, absolutely. Yep. It's true. <laughs> okay, question number two is, what is your favorite personal development book and why? You know, I don't read a lot of personal development books. Uh, mostly okay. read business, business books. I don't know if they okay. qualify. I, I mean, in in you know, when I was younger, like let's say when I was in my mid twenties, I business read, book will be fine. Business. Book I read and fine, enjoyed. Right? Um, um, what do you call it? Uh, How to win friends and influence people. People. Okay. And it made a you know, it's a it's a awful name for that book because it makes it something that people don't want to read, but. It's a great book. Anybody who hasn't already read it should. It's it's something that will change the way you interact with people. Uh, so definitely, I'd say in terms of the, you know, the personal development category, that's probably my favorite. Okay, and business book. What's your favorite business book? That changes okay. quarterly. I would say right now, the one that I just like really enjoyed is called Selling the Invisible. Oh yeah, yeah, that's that's really good. It's yeah. kind of a it's kind of a bathroom book. Like it's not yeah. it's like the chapters are like one or two pages long and you can get yeah. kind of just read for three minutes and then put it down if you want yeah. to. So it's that yeah. it's kind of got its own context. Yeah. But it's it's basically, you know, it's it's all about anybody who's in, in like any kind of services business, like if you're yeah. a freelancer or consultant or you know, um, you know, doing contracts and you you're selling something that, you know, your clients sort of have to trust you they, they're not able to like kick the tires before they buy sort of thing yeah. they're buying your expertise and your time it's yeah. a really great book that really kind of breaks everything down in into you know things you should be thinking about i, I really i really enjoyed it brilliant brilliant okay question number three what is your favorite app app yeah does it need to be like a f- mobile phone app or no 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 just platform app doesn't matter okay so I, i'm not going to tell you all the obvious ones that everybody else says like slack and stuff but like there's this there's this no there's this one that i recently discovered called slick plan oh slick plan i've never heard of slick that one plan. okay Bas- basically everybody nowadays has a website right and it's it's this tool for you know visually putting together your sitemap to organize like how all your pages where where they all are in the hierarchy and then as you click on each of those boxes on the sitemap, you can kind of flip it over and you can add notes, you can do mock-ups, you can do copywriting. You can kind of like replace what used to be for me. It used to be like OmniGraphle files or Visio files or whatever to draw something out. And then it's like, a, you know, a whole bunch of chapters in a Google Doc or separate Google Docs. And it kind of my life in doing that kind of work was always very fragmented digitally and it became kind of kind of a bear to collaborate with people and stay organized and you know i discovered slick plan about a month ago and i love it it's got almost everything just like in one place and it's so far it's totally changed the, my workflow for that type of work so I, I i like it a lot 
I will um I will have a delve into that one because I've never heard of that one. So yeah. Okay. I have found the website, so I will have a look at that one. Okay, so slick plan. Okay, so question number four is what's your biggest business mistake and what did it teach you? You know, Cloud Sponge Cloud Sponge at the beginning was most of us were like engineering types, right? We didn't we didn't have um, we didn't have like a well spread out team of different talents. We were basically just all like software developers. And so we made that same mistake that I think a lot make in terms of just building things when we probably could have bought them. And we, you know, so for building logic, for example, you know, we had, you know, you, you've got your gateway, you've got your slat, your uh, stripe or whatever. But then on top of that, we built our own logic for, you know, calculating prorating and giving people, you know, discounts and, you know, just account state changes and things like that. And you then went the we whole sort hump, of didn't you really? <laughs> kind of. We kind of ended up building like our own custom CRM and our own like billing logic. And it was super expensive when I went back and I looked at how much we actually spent on that. Like it was really stupid. Um, and grant, granted, you know, we, we, <clears throat> we, we started the company before, some of the new sexy stuff existed, right? Because, you know, it's not a young company. Before things like like Chargeify and Chargebee and stuff, those guys weren't even out there. Uh, so, that we, you know, it wasn't like we had a choice in some cases. But I tell you, like, since we basically deleted massive chunks of our software that we custom built and replaced them with SaaS tools, we get a lot more done in terms of, like, our unique selling proposition, like the stuff that really makes our product uh, valuable to our our customers, uh, and it's been really cathartic and refreshing to to be able to just you know delete all that stuff and start using third party tools instead. Be like going through the old family albums, like old photos. Going, God, you remember that? We don't need that anymore. <laughs> we put that away. No one wears plaid anymore. We just put that away. Okay. okay. Question number five. Um, what are your challenges in harmonizing work and life and how do you manage them? The challenges in harmonizing work and life, you know, I guess the, well, I guess the challenge is keeping everybody happy, right? Yeah. Hell yeah. <laughs> Myself, my customers, my clients, my employees, my wife, my kids, my in-laws, like that's the challenge. I think, I mean, that's the universal challenge. Um, and you know, how do I do it? I mean, right now I'm in, like I said, I'm in a phase where my kids are pretty young. Um, you know, they're not even in, in, in grade school yet, two of them. Um, and so what I do basically is I, I focus on my family until I get to work and then I work, you know, my day, I basically let my, my dad, I call it dad mode. I let dad mode basically like time box my work. Um, and everybody knows that. I think being transparent with that with my staff and my, you know, my my wife and everybody, I'm just like, look, like <laughs> when I'm at work, I'm at work. And, and when I'm at home, I'm not I'm not working. Um, and, you know, of, of course, sometimes you have to make an exception. You know, sometimes fires get lit and, you know, somebody my wife just broke her toe yesterday. Right. So I I got stuff to deal with that. It's going to dip into my day today and just stuff happens, right? And you got to deal with it. But for the most part, when things are predictable and ordinary, you know, I, you know, take care of my kids and get, deliver them somewhere and then come to the office until about five 30 and then go home and, and go back into dad mode. And that, that seems to be creating a pretty, a pretty healthy harmony for, for all of us so far. So it's working for me. Yeah. And it's, it's forever, it's forever shifting. It's that's why I hate the word balance because it's never, it's, it's, it's very rarely ever a 50, 50 split. Because as I know, we, you know, when you're at home, you can be you can be the dad, and when you're at work, you're the you're the you're the you're the work mode. But it's it's you know, as you say, you know, your wife breaks a a toe, that skew whiffs balance a little bit, or I mean, and it's it's those things. And as kids get older, then commitments change because then it's soccer practice or or you know football or little league or whatever that whatever it is it's all of a sudden as these things come into it and it's it's amazing how these things happen and all you can ever do is is just do your best and i think is when you own your own when you when you like with the entrepreneur side of it 
generally is you you do that because you actually love what you do as well and i think there's another challenge as well so when you're doing what you love what you do it's really hard to switch off which i think is something you've got to learn to be able to and generally your wife's very good at telling you to go you need to put that phone down dear you know, I think well, you know you know my yeah. wife. I didn't. Really know her. <laughs> I yeah. always go to the same school. Actually, oh, okay. <laughs> I think it's a training class they do, um, or they just learn that look. You know, very quickly you understand that look. They can speak multilingual and across different divides with just that one stare across the table, um, yeah. and you know, and you just put it. Away, you, you know, you put your phone away. It's like being at school at the headmistress's office. Um, but you know, you just get, you just immediately, you know that okay, I'm paying too much attention on uh, on on social media or whatever, and but sometimes you've got you've got to teach yourself that and you've got to relearn that because when you're doing something that you really enjoy, you're not doing it to you know to to as a workaholic, you're doing it because you generally care and love what you do, but of course you've got that commitment because you generally care and love about your family and it's it's trying to juggling all of those those passions and those loves and trying to do it and and like you say it's generally about keeping the peace and keeping everyone happy as well as yourself and yeah, I think, I think, yeah i think you're you're a wise man obviously you've, you've been doing this for a long time mainly it's just acknowledging that it's fluid and it changes and and, and being honest with the people that depend on you on both on the business side and the personal side and just let you know the everybody that works with me knows that my family is a priority and they just they respect that and, and they'll know like don't don't bug me unless it's really important right like and then i know if my phone rings like it's probably really important uh and so if i just find like you know, being honest with everybody um, and surrounding yourself with reasonable people uh, is really, you know, half the battle just right there. Yeah, absolutely. Absolutely. Okay, so question number six. What advice would you give an entrepreneur that you wish you had known starting out? You know, one of the one of the, my, my regrets um, – that I hopefully can maybe save at least one person in your audience from having is when I started sort of working from home, which I think a lot of people do now, I started doing it before it was popular. But, um, but, but now like it's a really common thing. And I waited way too long to make a deliberate effort to like continue building a personal network. Because you can get you can get in trouble if you're working from home and you're just like really into your job or really into your startup or really like focusing on your work all the time, and you don't like make sure that a couple days a week you go to a meetup or you go to a co-working space and sit down at a hot desk or do something like that all the time, you're gonna look back and realize that like wow like I haven't made any new professional contacts in a long time and that's gonna end up hurting you. Uh, and so for me, you know, I, 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 I was in that, I was in that bubble for quite a long time working from home, uh, until I finally like bought myself a subscription at a co-working space and started working from there every day. And that was basically necessitated by having too many children, but I wish I had done that a lot sooner. Right. I wish I would have like, just like done it because it's the healthy thing to do for a long-term like career path. Right. Um, so I don't know if that's something that is, maybe that's obvious to, to everybody, but it sure, it sure wasn't obvious to me. No, I think, I think you're right. Because I think as, as you start off, I think they start off with working at home and they do it to save money. Um, I know I've got trapped because sometimes I didn't realize the season had gone before I start leaving the house and you know, you literally can just lose track of time completely. And the next thing I realize it's spring and I'm wondering where winter's gone. Um, and my mastermind group, I've got a really, really good mastermind group, and my mastermind group will make it a rule to go, we need to go out for a coffee or we need to go out and we need to go to, you know, the co-working spaces, um, which we've actually just been talking about um, recently because we keep looking for different ones to possibly go to or working in a cafe or something like that to break that, um, 
I wouldn't say antisocial, but that trapment of you just work in your own little space. Um, because it can be quite a one, it's a lonely environment if you work like that. And two, like you say, is, is you can make a net, well, you can have a very, very small network, which, um, you know, as I say, a network is also a net worth as well. So it's, um, it's getting, it's making sure that you're getting out there and seeing enough people so people know about you and spreading the word about you that you can actually have some benefit out there. So I think that's great advice. Uh, the value that I've noticed is now I'm like surrounded by new ideas, new thoughts, people that use stuff like slick plan that I would have never otherwise noticed, right? People that, you know, are, you know, have different kinds of talent that I can call on. I can say, Hey, like you seem to know a lot about this thing that I know nothing about. Like, can you give me the one-on-one I'll buy a, I'll buy you a sandwich. And for me, like it's a, it's a way to surround myself with, people that are different than I am that can help me improve myself. Right. And then that, for me, that it's that, that aspect of it has been much more valuable than like the referrals that I've received from I've had a, some referrals of course, but like, you know, that's. Yeah. yeah so when I'm in net, what net worth, net worth is in growth. So not just, not just uh, financial, but in development and all of that sort of stuff. So you're absolutely right. Because it's they they can give you so much more, because it, like you become just so much so smaller. But when you allow that growth and that going to other people and getting that expanse of growth in knowledge and all of those sort of things, it's amazing what people know. Like that that slip plan, I'm I'm intrigued. I may even have to go. I may even have to go to bed later tonight just so I can have a little play. So you know, you just know it's one of the great things about doing this show. Some people come up with these wonderful things. Okay, so next question. Um, what is your definition of success? Definition? I don't know if I've ever tried to define it. I guess, I guess it's uh, freedom to work on the stuff you want to work on and with people that you want to work with. You know, I think, I think a lot of people that are doing the daily grind and are sort of stuck in the rat race don't have a lot of choice with who their coworkers are or what kinds of projects they get to work on. Um, and so for me, you know, I don't expect to ever retire. You know, it's not, it's not a financial target really. Um, you know, even, even if, you know, even if I had all the, all the money in the world, I think I would still keep myself busy building stuff and doing things. And um, so really this for me, success is, is just having every, every, every day be a day where I, I look forward to working. I look forward to doing whatever I'm going to do that day. Right? I don't, I don't want to wake up and and then like dread the day. Yeah, it's an interesting one. Do you have people that look at you as if you're some sort of strange alien when you say that? Because I do. I like people that know me go, "What you would work all the time, even if you had money," and it would be like, "Yeah, I love what I do," and they like look at you and go, "You're weird." I can't understand. <laughs> I like I find that. Yeah, maybe it's just a maybe it's just a vocabulary thing, right? At that point, maybe you don't call it work anymore, right? You start using another word like a passion or something like that. But yeah, I mean, yeah, it's it's. I, I they're the person who looks at you that way is probably thinking of work in this really confined, narrow definition, right? Um, for me, well, yeah. It's, yeah, or they're unfortunate enough not to, to think that they have to do a job they hate. Right, yeah, there you go. Yeah, that's probably something. I mean, they do look pretty miserable when I see them. Like, maybe that's, <laughs> maybe that's, maybe that's got something to do with it. Anyway, well, maybe, maybe, maybe you should encourage them to listen to your podcast. Uh, well, I do try. I do try, but he's known me since I was very young. And to think oh, okay. that I actually host a radio show I like this, and he's like, no, nah, I can't listen to you. I can't take you seriously. So it's like, well, you know, I, I'm doing something I love and would do until I till I end up popping me clogs. You, on the other hand, are miserable. So go figure. But anyway, so question number eight. Do you have any type of morning routine that helps you get prepared for the day? And let's re- disregard changing nappies. 
Yeah, like I've already said, my morning is <laughs> my my morning is controlled chaos. So let's just let's just assume that we're talking about like from the moment that I actually get into yeah. my office. <laughs> yes. Um, and, and ignore everything that comes before that. Um, you know, one of the things that I like to do is I've got little recipe cards and I've got glass walls in my office and I write on my walls and I've got recipe cards. Uh, that I write on sort of the daily, what I, what are my priorities for the day? Um, I don't like using digital. I've used, I've tried everything. And I, for me, like a digital format for that is less, less effective for me. Um, and I use, um, I, I use polymail for my email. And so basically the, my first job, which usually takes about 10 minutes because everybody kind of, if you're not careful, you're going to let your inbox control you and ruin your day, right? And so what I do, what Polymail allows me to do, and I think, you know, Google Inbox by Google and the Outlook client for mobile phones does this. There's, there's a bunch of email clients that do it, but it's it's the snooze function in the email client, right? And so what I'll do is, you know, I wake up in the morning, get to the office. I probably got about a 120 emails unread in my inbox, and I'll just spend 10 minutes snoozing the ones that I'm not going to deal with today until tomorrow or next week or next month, or whenever, like three days before that bill is due or whatever the thing is in my inbox. And, you know, archiving all the spam and or deleting spam or whatever. And basically clean up my inbox down to usually less than 10 emails. Uh, everything else is either snoozed or archived. And those 10 emails are basically you know, they'll most likely show up on the recipe card. It kind of is like, okay, I need to make sure I file my taxes or I need to make sure I, you know, I go and like, you know, review my AdWords campaigns or whatever it happens to be. Um, <clears throat> that morning routine for me of getting to inbox zero and then not looking at my email again until like the afternoon when I need a break from my productive work, uh, I think is is something that's really helped me uh, control the, you know, the superpower of the inbox that, you know, if, like I said, if, if you're not careful and you don't time box your email access, you, you know, your day can slip away from you uh, and you can be completely unproductive without feeling like you're unproductive. Right. Yeah. Yeah. I think, um, I think that's, that's a big one because I think so many people, they either make that that huge mistake is the first thing they do in the morning is check their emails without getting any of the other plan set or they go through Facebook and see how many furry cats or whatever else is on Facebook but they don't they don't they don't have that that plan and then it's the so they don't strategize and uh, the I mean I'm not great with my getting my email down to zero um I need to dramatically improve that um but I am, and I'm, I am working on that. That's my probably my worst habit. Um, but it's, um, but it's, it's just, and I think it's, it's like it's, it's constantly working on different strategies, trying to get the, the systems right for you. And I'm, I'm like, I love my, I like the journaling and writing my to do tasks and stuff. So it's trying to just go, okay, these are the things that I need to get done, and bang, get them through. But I think it's just as long as you've got one that works for you, and then. You just nail it. So, it's, yeah, try um, Polymail if if you haven't tried a, you know, an yeah. email client, a new one for a while. Polymail is my current favorite. Yeah, I've just started using Airmail, Airmailer, Airmailer, or something. It's called Airmail Three or something. It's called. Um, so I will. I'll have a. There's that many. I mean, it's like you you blink and there's seven, and it's like, <laughs> okay. It's they're like gremlins. Just add water and everything happens. But it's um so yeah. So anyway, um the final question is a life lesson question. So just pick a number between one and fifty, and that is based on a life lesson that I've sort of um kind of like basically learned so from recovering from an illness and starting my own business. It's really just a top of our final topical point. It's okay for you to disagree with. Um, but let's see what pops up. So pick a number between 1 and 50, Jay. Well, I guess I should pick the best one, right? I reckon. That's what I reckon. Maybe okay. we should go to number three. This has never so happened again, folks. Should we go number three? <laughs> End your day as you want to start tomorrow. 
So this, yeah. So basically, what that means is, is there was there's a big thing that when I um, there was a big thing that when I was ill, one of the big things was is is that, and this was it was part of the the way that I dealt with depression and and anxiety and stuff, that a lot of our thoughts from the night before are carried into the next day. So it was about making sure that when I end the day, i.e. a plan for what's happening tomorrow, or making sure that I end the day as positive as possible. So if I ended the day as well as I possibly could, so it meant a good a good final nighttime routine to help me sleep more um, in a better way, to help me clear my mind, to get to try and reduce the brain race, to get my mind to sort of calm down. What it allowed me to do is it allowed me to set the day up the next day for success. And I'm just wondering what you thought about that. Have you experienced that? Or do you find that you feel it's better to plan the next day when you walk in the office? Or do you do any planning before you kind of like leave for that day, before you get to the the children? Mm. Yeah, it's hard to say. I think for the most part, um, I don't really think about that, but there, it, it, there are situations that I can, I can relate to with what you just said. And that's where if something is keeping me up, like if I'm trying to, if I'm literally like I'm in bed, lights are off, I should be able to sleep, but I can't because I'm thinking about something. I'll just get up and deal with it. I'll just, and that'll help me go to sleep. I'll just get up. Usually I have to, like, so, it's something on my computer, right? It might be something personal. It might be something professional. It might be an idea that just needs to get written down. It might be somebody that I just realized is waiting for me and I forgot to do something for them and it, it's bugging me because, you know, I, I, I don't like it when people have to wait for me. And so I'll just, like, it doesn't matter. It'll be 2 in the morning, 4 in the morning, I'll, and I'll, you know, I'll just get up and deal with it. I'll just, you know, open up my computer sit down and write or sit, you know, whatever, buy that thing or, or complete that transaction or whatever, pay that invoice. And then I'm able to usually sleep, right? I just, I find that, um, you know, just fighting through it and, and, and laying there awake processing something is, is a lot more uh, inefficient than, than just dealing with it. Yeah. Because it's, it's the, it's the, when you, um, when you are doing that, you're actually, I mean, it, we we do it all the time. It's it's a lot. A lot of people will lie there, going, "I hope I don't forget this. I hope I don't forget this. I hope I don't forget this." And they keep themselves up all night, worrying about not forgetting it, rather than going to writing it down, because they don't think about writing it down. So you would be better either. One of the things I do is um, I, ca- I have a notepad next to my bed. So if I do go through that, I actually write down what I'm thinking. So my brain can literally go, okay, you've got it out your head, so you don't need to worry about it. You can, you've processed it. You can deal with it tomorrow. And that it's one of the things that I read an article, and I can't remember where I read it from when I was it when I was ill. That I you actually bring over ninety ninety percent of your thoughts from yesterday to today. So technically, that means if you're you're having a series of bad days, a lot of the rubbish that you're bringing through are all from yesterday anyway. So if you can learn to to deal with and process by the end of the day, because obviously stuff's going to happen. You can't stop it from happening, but it helps you have a more refreshing sleep. If you have that habit that you have where you're breaking the cycle and getting up and just going to deal with it, because unfortunately there's a whole lot of people out there that don't have that habit and they will just literally sit there, eyes wide open like they're on stalks, and you know and look like they've just had 13 cups of espresso coffee to try and hope that they don't forget that they've got to remember that they've you know i hope i remember to clean my kids shoes tomorrow or something stupid like that you know and then they'll go and do the thing because the, the crazy thing is is quite often it's not a massive issue a massive thing you know quite often it, it is little things but they get themselves so wound up that they will literally keep themselves up all night. So it's far better to actually, you know, either as you do, get up and go and deal with it. Because also by getting up, you're breaking your state of, I can't sleep. Mm-hmm. You're going and doing with it. Then you're coming back to bed and you're seeing the bed as a place of rest, not a place of, 
I'm completely frantic and there, but also you, you're, you're brain dumping this stuff, getting it out of your head and moving it. So it's just that ability to go, okay, end your day as best you can so you can try and start it as best you can tomorrow. And it's just, it's just a, it's a strategy that I found quite useful and, you know, who knows, who knows, you know, but thank you very much for sharing that. That was very, very, very insightful. Number three. Insightful. Right. Yeah, number three. So not number one, not number two, like we've never had in this show. Um, <laughs> it's only taken 80 episodes to get someone to pick two that were no good. Um, but anyway, Jay, thank you very much. And now the floor is yours for you to share how people can find out more about you. Um, where would they go to find out more about um, um, anything you want to offer? Um, so please, th- please share away. Okay. Yeah, sure. So anybody who's working on a software as a service company um, can find me at Arizona Bay. Uh, It's just jay at arizonabay.com. And I'm happy to consult and help and advise and and work together if you need help with something. Um, That's that's what we do. and, And I think we're pretty good at it. Um, anybody who's interested in, you know, address book access and importing and, you know, improving maybe a referral program or a sharing tool or a, you know, invitation process on their website, uh, should probably check out CloudSponge or just contact me at, uh, jay at cloudspunge.com. And right now my social media is really LinkedIn. I don't really do much on the other platforms, but I've been really enjoying LinkedIn lately. Um, so you can just search for Jay, Jay Gibb on LinkedIn and you'll find me. Brilliant. Jay, thank you very much. You've been awesome. Um, I hope you've enjoyed it and just to wish you the greatest success. Thank you, Jeff. You too, man. So first of all, just let me say a massive thank you for joining me today. It's lovely to know that you're out there listening. And it's great to have the emails that I get from you with suggestions about the show and what you think about the show. That's really nice. Really does help me make the show even better. If you'd like to find out more about me and the types of services I offer or my social media links, then please visit www.jeffnicholson.uk. You can also join us on the Facebook page. Just search for Success IQ Podcast. And that's a new page that we've put up that I'm trying to grow and develop. So you can tune in and find us on other stations such as Stitcher, SoundCloud, TuneIn Radio, and of course, iTunes. And if you have the time, it would be great if you could pop over there, leave a rating, leave a review, because it really does help me grow the show and make the impact that I'm really looking for. So just to say, I hope you have a fantastic week. I wish you the greatest success and I look forward to speaking to you next week. Take care.